Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Plant family, I want to thank you for joining us again. And we are in our sermon series called Come and See Jesus. Our whole goal during Lent is to have a fresh perspective on who Christ is. I want to talk to you about something today, preach to you, of course, because that's my role. And I want to preach on and talk about temptation. Temptation, the act of being enticed to have something or do something that you know you should avoid. How true that is. Temptation, the act of being enticed to do something, to have something that that you know you should avoid. So let me ask you, this week, how many of you have had some form of temptation? And I think oftentimes when we think about temptation, there there are certain things that come up in our mind, in our heart, that, that only relate to us, but there are so many things that tempt us in this world that I wonder if even sometimes we wonder, we know that we are being tempted. But why is temptation so dangerous? Because that act, that enticement has the power to dethrone opportunities, relationships, and the blessings that God has for us. Temptation has the power to dethrone, to eliminate the blessings that God has for us. As we continue in our sermon series, last week we talked about the inauguration of Jesus's ministry in his baptism. But what we're going to talk about today is the preparation for ministry that Jesus was going to go into. Now, here's the thing that we're going to talk about. Temptation. Temptation, what it brings into the light, is our understanding of who we are as a child of God. And that was the preparation that Jesus was about to go into. Allowing him to understand who he is as a child of God so that he can live out the calling of God. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for, once again, the ability for us to gather. No matter where we are, we are able to gather, even in a season that we've been scattered. I ask you that your word today would be clear and strong and simply profound. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, when we open up to Matthew chapter 4, the baptism of Jesus has just occurred. It was the inauguration of his ministry. It was the affirmation that came from the Father. And then Jesus was about to go into a season of preparation. It says in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Now, what we know about the temptation of Christ is that right after the baptism, the Holy Spirit nudged Jesus into a season of preparation. 
And that preparation involved two things, prayer and fasting. He went alone to seek the Father's direction for what was next. Now, the one thing that I love about prayer and fasting is that whenever we are nudged in a supernatural way to go spend time with God, I believe that's when we hear clearest from God. I know that there have been seasons when I have prayed and I fasted because I was wrestling through a temptation. I was wrestling with bad choices I made. I was wrestling with, with just trying to get my head wrapped around certain things in my life. But, but I will say this, the most powerful times of seasons of praying and fasting is when I had a Holy Spirit nudge, just like Jesus, to go into a season of preparation for what's next. Whether that be a, a life change, whether that be something going on with a child, whether that be just in some way that knowing that God is saying, there's something next about to occur, go seek my face. So let me ask you, plant family, have you ever just went to God in prayer and in fasting to seek the face of God? Because I know when I do that, that is when the Holy Spirit shows up clearest and most profoundly. But it's even in those seasons that, uh, of preparation that, that there is an attack of the enemy that comes my way. And so what we're going to see is that during a 40 days of preparation that involved prayer and fasting, the enemy was going to show up on three different occasions, physically manifest in the presence of Jesus to tempt him to have him question his identity as the Messiah, the Son of God. So let's look at the first temptation. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, I don't think that Satan probably tempted him in the first couple days with this temptation to create bread out of stones. I bet you this was probably on day like 20 when he was really hungry, when he was starving, when he almost felt that probably he was in a place of death and, and all he wanted to do was eat. Have you ever been in a season of fasting that you have fasted for, for several days and you literally feel like you're going to die if you don't eat? And, and is it possible for, to be able to be sustained when we know that food sustains us? And so the first temptation thrown at Jesus was the temptation of the appetite. And what I find very interesting is, is that when Satan tempted Jesus, Satan did not bring Jesus a loaf of bread. Satan tempted Jesus to turn a stone into a loaf of bread. The temptation was in the act of doing the miraculous to instantly, without waiting or postponing, physical gratification. He told Jesus, hey, you are the Messiah. Do something supernatural. Create a supernatural feast. And what we see in the Gospels is that there were several times that Jesus created a supernatural feasts for those who were hungry. And so Satan says to Jesus, hey, do what you would do for others. Do something supernatural. 
And so much of temptation is this struggle of postponing physical gratification. But listen to what Jesus says. Jesus' response. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right away, what Jesus does is he attacks the lie of the enemy with the word of God. You remember back in the fall when we went through the armor of God, what is the word of God? The word of God is the sword of the spirit. It cuts off the lies of the enemy. And this is how he used it. He was quoting Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you without manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Isn't that what Jesus responded to the enemy? Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. In that moment, the Holy Spirit brought to mind Deuteronomy 8, chapter 3, and Jesus cut off the lie of the enemy, the temptation of the enemy, with the truth that God provides from every word spoken from his mouth. The first temptation our appetite, his appetite. But then it says this in verse five through six. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Now here's an interesting fact. What Satan was saying to Jesus was the very same thing that's written in Psalm 91. Satan even tried to manipulate Jesus with the word of God. Jump and you won't be hurt. Go do something so miraculous that will bring you fame and recognition. You see, that's the second temptation, the temptation for fame and recognition. Hey, Jesus, I'm bringing you up to the temple, the highest place in the city, where everyone will be on the streets of Jerusalem. Let's jump. And in that moment, you will do another messianic act where you will show that you can be brought off fame and recognition. But the problem was this. Jesus didn't come to earth for fame and recognition. He came to be the suffering servant. That was the real messianic act. Satan twisted the word of God, Psalm 91, to give him a false messianic act. And this is what Jesus' response. Jesus' response. The scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Jesus knew that, that his calling was not to stand on the top of the temple to see everyone do, have him do a miraculous act. He knew that the miraculous act that he was supposed to do was be the suffering servant, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew that, that even after creating a, a feast for others supernaturally, that how he was going to give God glory, give God fame, give God recognition, that he was going to have to die a criminal's death. He was going to have to suffer. And so this is what Jesus says, his response. 
You must not test the Lord your God as you did when you complained at Massa. And what Jesus was repeating back was the words of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. When the people of God wanted, wanted Moses to call on God to do something supernatural, to provide for them in a way that, that brings honor and fame. And Jesus says, do not test the Lord your God. It wasn't about Jesus's fame. It wasn't about even Jesus's recognition. But Jesus came to give the Father recognition, to bring the Father fame, and that he would die as a suffering servant. You know what's really interesting about, about this temptation? When Satan brought Jesus to the highest place of the temple, 40 years later, Jesus' brother, James the Just, James the Righteous, was thrown from the temple and was sent to his death. How bizarre is that? That Jesus' brother James was brought to the highest part of the temple and pushed off to his death. It's amazing how the enemy works. But let's continue, verse 8 through 9. The next, the devil took him to, to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said this, I will give it all to you, he said if you will kneel down and, and worship me. So after he takes him to the temple, he brings him to the highest peak and he, and he shows him the vastness of the world. And you can almost hear this, this anger, this impatience from Satan. And he says, I will give it all to you if you kneel down and worship me. You see, Satan knew that that this battle was coming to an end. And so he tempts him with the riches of the world, with power. And watch this. One thing that Jesus knew was that the earth was Satan's temporary playground. The earth was Satan's temporary throne, his temporary playground, his temporary throne listen to jesus's words in, in john 12 31 the time for judging this world has come when satan the ruler of this world will be cast out when satan was cast out of heaven he was sent to the earth and one of the names that jesus even gives satan is the prince of this world and jesus knew that that satan had a temporary reign on this earth he knew that it was temporary because this is what it says in Revelations eleven fifteen, The kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Revelations eleven five 5 talks about a, a new earth and a new kingdom and that this temporary earth will, will vanish one day. But Jesus will be Christ of all. Like it says in Philippians, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And so, yes, Satan was offering him a, a temporary power, temporary riches. But Jesus always had this, this eternal kingdom in mind. And with that, this is how Jesus responds. Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
What Jesus speaks back at Satan is that he, re, he, he declares the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Worship the Lord your God only. Temptation, the act of being enticed to have something or doing something that you know you should avoid. Jesus was being enticed to have something that, that he knew was not his to have. He knew that God had called him for a purpose and a plan. And that purpose and plan was, was to reveal the love of God through Jesus, the suffering servant, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the earth. But in order for any of that to come to fruition, he had to go through every single form of temptation that's known to man. And he had to withstand it. And what I find so enlightening and even empowering is that Jesus, this mystery of fully God and fully man, withstood the test of temptations and every temptation that we have gone through and will go through as human beings. Look at what it says in, in 1 John 2.16. It says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, right? Appetite, power, recognition. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Jesus knew that when he stood the test in this time of preparation, that it would empower him to fulfill God's calling in his life. And when I read 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it really spells out not only the narrative of Jesus' temptation, but helping us clarify the temptations that Jesus went through are the very temptations we go through. So let me quickly walk through 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. And, and the truth is, this could probably be a sermon series in itself, but I want us to have a fresh perspective of who Christ is. And in order to fully know Christ, we need to fully understand his temptation. So what are the temptations that we go through, just like Christ went through? The craving for physical pleasure. For Jesus, it was turning, turning a stone into bread. So what is physical pleasure? What is the appetite that we, that we all crave? All desired, centered in your nature without regard to the will of God. You see, there are certain things that, that God has created us with. Hunger, hunger for food, hunger for relationship, hunger for intimacy, hunger for provision. But the problem is, is that when these go against the will of God, when we are gluttons, when we crave false intimacy, when we, when we crave immorality, when we crave to do that which is opposite of God's will, even when he's given us nature to draw us to God, to, to have God provide for us. You see, the problem is, is that our will is tainted because we were born sinful. 
And so even though we have these, these natural urges that God is, has given to us, they are tainted and blurred because of our sinful nature. Think about that. Cravings for, for, for physical pleasure. When is your craving for physical pleasure became sin? The next one. Craving for everything you see. Right? Isn't that what Satan did? He, he said, Jesus, stand on the mountain. Look at everything that you can have. Coveting others' wealth, money, possessions, or persons that are not yours for the taking. Craving for everything you see. You, when, when you talk about seeing something, you talk about our eyes. Our eyes are the pathway to our soul. It, it talks about this all throughout Scripture. Something about our eyes, there's a supernatural thing that that what we see is what we want or we see what could be. And oftentimes what we see that that could be, the, the good things that could be, we taint them in our sinfulness. And that craving for, for the things that we see that we're not supposed to have, it's called coveting. And we covet what other people have. We covet their wealth. We cover, we covet their possessions. Sometimes we even covet persons. We want to be like that person or, or we want to have that person that's not ours for the taking. And so we have a craving for the things that we see. It's what's so scary about our devices, that our devices can be very sinful tools Because we're looking at the things that we don't have and say, I want that. I focus on that. I need that. That is reality when when what we see on these devices is actually not reality. It's a false reality. It's a false intimacy. It's a false dream, a false hope. But then what about this? Pride in our achievements and possessions. Isn't that what Satan tempted Jesus with? Hey, jump jump off the temple. Let God's angels catch you, right? This pride of achievements, a desire for recognition, a desire for applause, a desire for status to have an advantage in life. I really think that's the, diff- the difference, especially looking at this definition, a desire for recognition, applause, status as an advantage in life. Satan was trying to give Jesus a little advantage. Hey, let's, let's get this started now. Jump off, angels catch you, you get the fame, you get the applause, you get the recognition, you're already Messiah. You don't have to die for the sins of this world. And how true that is with us. We have pride in our achievements and possessions because we want status. We want applause. And to be fair for everybody, we all struggle with that. I struggle with that. I struggle with the idea of, of pouring into what God has called me to do and, and want it to be further along than it is. And at times I find myself frustrated for the, for the, for with the wrong intentions, with the wrong motives, a, a craving for, for something that, that in, in context, the church has, has a very good reason and purpose. And it sounds all good and beautiful, but, but taken in the wrong way and seen through the wrong eyes, it's actually sin. And I've had to confess that to my wife multiple times. And so how do we, how do we align ourselves 
to be in a season of preparation, knowing that in our preparation, we will be going through temptations to help us work out our identity as children of God. Because that was the temptation that Satan was challenging Jesus with. Who are you really? And not only who are you really, but, but who is God really to you? Is he really Abba? Is he really Father? Is he really good? Is he really gracious? Is he really great? Is he really glorious? Is he really as good as, as you're making him to be, Jesus? And do you actually believe that God's good, God's greatness, God's glory, God's grace really wants to be revealed in your life? And here's what's funny. I believe that Satan tempted Jesus with everything that drove him out of heaven. The hunger, the craving to be godlike. The hunger, the craving to be in control. The hunger, the craving to just feed his own appetite. And church, when we look at how Jesus saw his temptation as a season of preparation, it should empower us to do the same thing. Because every time we are tempted, all the enemy is trying to do is question our identity. Not our identity as a human being, but our identity of who we are as a child of God. For me, my identity as a son of God. For Sue, her identity as a daughter of God. I think that's the biggest temptation right now in our society. The temptation of identity. Recreating our own identities for what we want it to be, rather for how God has created us. So how do we win the battle? How do we not only win the battle over temptation, but how do we look at temptation as a season of preparation? Every time you're tempted, there's a season of preparation that you are in. Well, watch this, verse 11. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Jesus won the battle. Over 40 days, he was tempted with these big temptations, these mountain-like temptations, these monstrous temptations that, that if any of us were, were given any of these three in a, in a short period of time, there's a real possibility that we would fall to one of them. And for some, your greater temptation is appetite. For some, it's power. For some, it's recognition. And for some, it might be all three because we all are human. But this is how I want to teach you to win the battle and to look at this that, that this is more that's going on than meets the eye. And the first, the first truth to win the battle was this, that Jesus was teaching us that a season of preparation will be a season of temptation. That when you are being tempted, God is preparing you for what's next. That's what he's doing. A season of preparation will be a season of temptation. And remember this, temptation is temporary. We, we must recognize this in order to even position ourselves to experience victory. Temptation is temporary. 
And we must recognize that to position ourselves for victory. Plant family, in a season of preparation, you will be tempted. And remember, when you are tempted, God is preparing you for something. Second, truth defeats lies. Every time a lie of temptation was presented to Jesus, Jesus used the word of God to cut off the lies of the enemy. Satan even twisted Psalms, the Psalms, to manipulate Jesus. And Satan will use people, he will use circumstances, he will use thoughts, he will use anything he can to manipulate God's will into your life to tempt you away from what God has best. This was something that I thought about when it comes to temptation and how to defeat the lies. When we cut off the lies, temptation has no legs to stand on. When we cut off the lies of the enemy, temptation has no legs to stand on. How do we defeat the lies that are thrown at us? By speaking truth. By speaking truth. Just like Jesus spoke truth, we speak truth to the lies. That's so, it is so important that just as David had said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I would not sin against you. Because we may think we're sinning against other people. Whenever we sin, we are first sinning against God and then against others. And David had said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I would not sin against you. Here's something that I was really wrestling with. And this is how I penned it. Jesus trusted the authority of God to not allow the devil to manipulate his emotions and react in ego. Jesus trusted the word of God to not allow the devil to manipulate his emotions, right? In temptation, that's what the devil manipulates. He manipulates our emotions. He did not allow the devil to do that so that he would not react in ego. Third, and this might be the most important point of all, temptation is unavoidable. You will be tempted. You were born into a broken, sinful world, and the sinful world will tempt you with the things of this world to distract you from God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Each one of you will be tempted. Your pastor will be tempted. This is part of being human. We are tempted because we are human. We are victorious because of our identity of who we are as children of God. We are tempted because we are human, but we are victorious because who we are as children of God. Our victory comes in who we are in Christ, not in our humanity. Jesus did not become victorious because of his emotions or, or his will or avoidance. No, he was victorious because he declared who God was and who he was in light of God. Temptation is unavoidable, but your victory comes in your identity in Christ. Lastly, 
When we resist, God steps in. When we resist, God steps in. Jesus confronted the temptation and he allowed the spirit of God to declare the truths of God in that moment. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Do not feel like you are alone. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. When you stand against temptation, God always provides a way out. Just like he did with Jesus. The way that Jesus stood up to his temptation, God provided an out. And that's why Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 16 are so profound. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings, all the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Why are we looking at the temptation of Christ to get a fresh perspective of the gospel? Because in week one, we talked about the baptism of Christ. Week two, we're talking about the temptation of Christ. And in both situations, we see this mystery of, of Jesus being fully God and fully man. We see Jesus surrendering to the baptisms, the baptism of water. And then we see Jesus surrendering himself to God in the midst of temptation. And because of this mystery of fully God and fully man, we have a high priest who goes before us. He knows all of our temptations. He knows all of our trials. And because he stood the test of temptation, in Christ Jesus, we are able to stand the test of temptation too. I feel like we have weakened the power of Christ. I feel like we, in our humanness, give ourselves out. Yes, we live in a sinful world. Yes, we will, we will cave to temptation, but that does not have to be the norm. Our norm needs to be identifying who we are as a child of God, just like Jesus did, so that we can live the victorious life that God has given us in Christ Jesus. There's one temptation that you're going to have every single day. The temptation to question your identity. That's what the enemy threw at Jesus. And Jesus knew that he was in a season of preparation. And the only way he was going to withstand the temptation of the devil was declaring who God is and who he is in light of God. Do you really want a fresh perspective of Jesus? Then come and see how Jesus stood the test of temptation. Come and see that, that he recognized 
that he was in a season of preparation. Come and see how Jesus grasped his identity to live out the full calling that his father gave him. Because plant family, when you come and see that Jesus, you will be empowered to live the victorious Christian life that Christ came to die for. That Christ came to not only die for, but he overcame the power of sin and death and was resurrected to life that we would be able to live the victorious Christian life that's found in Christ our Lord. I want to challenge you right now. No matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, no matter what this past looked like, this past week looked like, that in this moment, you are going to recognize that first, I will be tempted. But this is what I'm going to do different. I am going to recognize that every temptation is a season of preparation. And I am going to recognize that I can defeat the lies of the devil by standing up to the truth that's found in Scripture. And I'm going to recognize that every time that I resist the devil, God will create a way out for me. Plant family, use this next moment to say, Jesus, I choose to walk in my identity of who I am as a child of God. And today I declare that I will learn to walk in the victory that was given to me by Christ Jesus. Let's worship together. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.